Hello and welcome to this episode of The Unnoticed Entrepreneur. Today we've got a special guest. It's a female entrepreneur that I've personally known for quite a while because she used to be one of the doyens of PR in Asia, uh, was working in Japan and then running PR in, uh, in Asia Pacific out of Hong Kong. Teresa Zimmerman, though, is now the founder of a company called Wood Underwear. And she's going to tell us why men should wear underwear made of wood, or a little bit like wood, and how she's built a business that's now got over 500 stores and is really part of the mainstay of a men's wardrobe. Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jim. So great to see you. Well, it's great to see you. And, you know, we had a debate about who was chasing who, but I know it will have been me chasing you to be on the show because you're a legend. I don't think so. I don't think so. It will be because you're a legend because you've built Wood Underwear, plus written some books as well. And I'd love for you to tell us about, you know, Wood Underwear. And we're going to talk about, you know, why men should look at their underwear drawer in a way that they haven't done since their mother packed their drawers for them. Um, But also the journey you've been on and some lessons we can learn about how to build a brand without being on Amazon. So, Teresa, give us a little bit of the backstory of really why men should wear Underwear wear uh, made of wood. <laughs> well, first, first of all, first of all, let's clarify: there's no splinters, no splinters. <laughs> you can um, sit comfortably. Yeah, exactly, no splinters. So um, it's it's actually wood viscous. So we our fabrics are a um, cotton blend of cotton, and um, we use a, a lensing branded um, Tencel Modal. Tencel Modal is wood viscous. So um, it's made from beech tree cellulose and it's, it's an amazing fiber. You can go to lensing.com. I know this is an advertisement for them, but um, they've got all kinds of crazy information about how sustainable it is. Um, and it gives the, the fabric its technical properties. So wicking, thermo control, odor control, all of that, all of the yumminess. And then cotton gives it the performance part of it. So it's, it's, uh, it's fabulous. Women have had Tencel Modal and Viscous products in their, in their, uh, wardrobes for a very, very, very long time. And certainly 11 years ago when I started Wood, um, there just was not a lot out there for men um, using these wonderful fabrics. And I have to ask the, you know, the obvious question, how is a woman who spent her career in Asia in tech PR, you know, getting into men's underwear? And I mean that in the best possible Taste, of course. Setting me up for this one, Jim. (laughs) I've been trying to get into men's underwear my whole life. Oh, there we go. There we go. And many a man would have been chuffed (laughs) at the opportunity. But let's not go there. Let's talk about, you know, how did you get to doing this? And then we can talk about the journey of building it. Yeah. So uh, being in consulting, as you all know, you're always working on everyone else's stuff, you know. Uh, problems, solutions, brands, whatever it might be. And um, I was uh, just at a point in my career where I thought, I, w- I want to work on my stuff. I want to, I want to own something. And I didn't necessarily mean that, you know, literally, but, you know, it turns out when you start something, you have to own it literally too. Uh, but I wanted more of a, I wanted it to be more mine um, and um, all the good, the good, bad, and the ugly of it. And so I started looking around um, out of a collaboration. Underwear was part of that. Um, and, uh, my husband, uh, got a prototype and spent the next three months telling me that I had to do it. Um, so I, I, you know, naively I'm like, well, how hard can it be to sell a few pair of underwear? You know? So there we go. But you've done a brilliant job and you've expanded out of underwear across to, you've got lounge pants now and you've got t-shirts as well. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, you're not selling on Amazon, which 
you know, would seem impossible. So how have you done that, Teresa? Well, so I, when I started the business, I was very intentional about wanting to sell to stores. I was looking for a wholesale model. Um, and so for that, that's, that's given that that's where I started, I didn't even think about Amazon. And, and 12 years ago, you know, when this idea was being born, um, Amazon wasn't the powerhouse it is today for sure. Um, and they were really more of a consumer play. Um, and so I, um, once I started working with small business owners, Main Street, I'll just generically call it Main Street, um, I just fell in love with Main Street. Um, I love the store owners, the buyers, the multi-generational owners of these stores. Um, and they are so in touch with their customer. It's relationship driven. And so there was some depth in that that I had been looking for without even maybe knowing I was looking for it after coming from corporate. And so I just kind of stumbled into that. And the last thing I wanted to do was to sell to corporate when I was in love with Main Street. So it was just more of a kind of trying to put my money where my mouth is deal. But but it does create a challenge because, you know, Amazon really dominates now. It does. From the retail and the distribution part. So tell us, how have you been building the brand for wood? Um, and you've got this amazing orange color and you've chosen a very um, identifiable font type as well. Um Take us through that because you, I mean, it's hard enough to start a retail brand as it is, but to choose to ignore the largest online shopping platform yeah. is uh, stupid. brave, I think. is <laughs> Brave. <laughs> Let's call it brave. So how have you done it? One store at a time, uh, personal service and kind of, you know, we have not grown as fast as we probably could have, um, but uh I've, I've tried to stay true to my intention of the reason why I started it. Um, and then my growing love for, for main street. Um, you know, we, we, the, the high service part of it and everything we do, we want it to be inviting. We want it to be about relationships. And so the, you mentioned the color and the brand choices and all of that. We want it to, we want one of those to reflect that those, those, those things came ahead of my deciding that I loved main street, but you know, it's, it's there. It's, it, you know, as part of what I was searching for, even if I had to articulate it with some hindsight, um, which us PR people are great to do, right? We can articulate anything with some hindsight, um, spin the story. But, um, but the, um, the name was about having some fun. Um, it was about being a little irreverent. Um, it was about saying on the sexy side of sex, you know, not crossing over what that boundary is. Cause you know, in the world of underwear, that it's very easy thing to cross that line. Um, it was about coming up with messaging that was a little bit provocative, but then the product had to back it up. Right. So we, you might say, Oh, wood, how fun, you know, but then you try the product. It's the product that's going to bring you back. Yeah. And no, then no. Our, go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and then the, the positioning for us, um, which, you know, is, I, I think, a real differentiator still, um, even though some people are picking up on the message, which I love, is about wardrobing. It's about um, men understanding underwear in the same way that women always have. Women are taught from a very young age, uh, girls, you know, growing up, you put on your underwear based on what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, all of that. Men are not. Boys are a huge generalization, not to offend anybody, but I understand it's a generalization. You open a man's underwear drawer, certainly in the United States, it's very likely they have the style, color, 
brand that their mother put there when they were 15 because they haven't been taught different. And so once you start talking to men about, hey, you need to diversify your underwear drawer because, you know, you don't wear uh, simple, you don't wear black under white pants. You don't wear a lot of fabric or really long leg underwear when you are wearing a skinny jean or when it's 90 degrees with a heat index of 102. You know, so it's like, think about these things. Your date night underwear is not your gym underwear or it shouldn't be. Right. Well, especially not in, unless it's had a wash in between. I think probably it would yeah. be the. Uh, <laughs> that's, but that's, and that's, that's where the fabric. <laughs> that's where the fabric comes in as well, because a lot of fabrics right now that are coming out are polys. Um, polys are they're they're oil based, and so the sweat that comes off your skin, without getting too technical, it's it's oil based, and so the the stink molecules, if I can put it bluntly like that, actually bind with fabric. So if you ever notice like gym underwear, especially, um, you can launder your gym underwear, um, very well, or, or even your just, just gym running clothes, um, or, or the stuff you work out in and sweat in on a regular basis. The next time it gets even a little bit moist, that smell comes out and it's not the smell from what you've just done. It's the smell from before because you can't wash that out. Right. So, so gym underwear is not your date night underwear. We'll be back after a quick break. Would you like to double your salary without starting another business? The easy way to do this is to join the board of another company. You get well paid for a part-time role. You get all the credibility that comes with being a board member. Plus, you get to hang out with some very cool people and learn how other businesses are dealing with their problems. If you'd like to know more, if you'd like to learn how you get your first board seat within 60 days, just click on the link below as uh, Unnoticed is a gold sponsor of our summit. So you get free tickets. Enjoy. I'll see you there. Well, I think... (laughs) For all of us that are listening and probably sort of slightly embarrassedly thinking about our, our, our boxer shorts and uh, what we do and don't wear, uh, I do try and match my boxer shorts to my socks color, if that's Perfect. any consolation. But uh, <laughs> that's about as sophisticated as I've become. Uh, but now, I, now I'm going to be quite uh, insecure the next time I look in my drawer. Well, uh, but that, so that, that also is a reason why you should think about your underwear from a wardrobing standpoint. The confidence it gives you to know you're wearing the right thing under whatever you're putting on over it or whatever you're doing, trans, it, it transmits. You, you, uh, you, sh- you share it in your <laughs> confidence and posture. Of course, most of us are keeping our trousers on uh, when we're going out. But there we go. I suppose at the end of the evening or or in the gym, you might have a moment when you're showing what you're wearing underneath. But, but what about um, this idea then that you've raised, which is actually wearing underwear and what you you know what you buy? Most of us discreetly buy a packet in the shop without talking to anyone about it. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with getting the customer message that you're talking about into Main Street? Because if you're, you know, you're going through the media, we've shown and seen that you've got good media relations coverage, which is great. How are you getting people in store to know the difference? Because what you've just explained to me about the fabric, I I had no idea, for example. So how are you helping people in store to understand the difference? Yeah, so... Sale? 
So the, the one thing about, um, younger generations, um, is they are, they do care about, you know, a lot of the fabric and the sustainability part of it. I don't know that they're necessarily buying on it, but they do care about knowing about it. So they're, they're, I think they're educating themselves a little bit, maybe more than we would have, um, at their age. But, um, but we do this one, one day at a time, uh, one store at a time. And, you know, we're, we are at trade shows with stores. We are in store with our store, uh, owners and buyers. We produce, um, educational materials for them to talk about wardrobing and what the proper underwear does. So a, a, an extreme example in the case of a, a woman, a woman can pack clothes for a week in a suitcase and go off on a trip. And if she didn't bring the right bra, the right panties, whatever, to wear with those clothes, she has nothing to wear. You can't wear it, right? So that's maybe an extreme case. But if you are wearing something and you don't have the right bra, you're going to fidget all night long. You're not going to be comfortable. And it's going to show through on confidence. And, and it's, it is true that with men as well, maybe not to the same extent because, you know, you're maybe not as conscious of it. But um, talking to the clothiers who are setting you up with your suits, your shirts, your, you know, sports coats, whatever, your pants and measuring you. And it's like, let's get the right fit, the right style for what we're putting, putting you in. And we do that one store at a time. You know, the scalability of it's a little hard, but it's also part of our focus. Well, it's really interesting because you're absolutely right. Because if I go shopping, I buy a, a pure Egyptian cotton t-shirt because it just feels nicer. Mm-hmm. But there isn't anyone in store helping me with those decisions or or um, any of that. In fact, you feel too embarrassed to ask, right? So, right, yeah. So, Teresa, you know, as, as founder of Wood Underwear, um, what have you been doing in terms of your relationships with getting wholesalers? Because wholesale business is often just sort of margin, isn't it, and availability as well, and they don't want to have empty supply chains. How have you been communicating that? Because as a new brand, although now 11 years in, you're obviously established, but how did you get those first wholesalers to take you on? Because for them as well, there's a risk, isn't there, with a new brand not selling through? There is, there is. And even, even as small as we are still, um, you know, there, there are some supply chain issues and certainly over the last couple of years, supply chains have been tested. Um, but you know, again, when, when you've got the relationships, when it's a relationship based business and they know you're a small business too, there's a little, they give you a little bit more leeway too. And it's about communication, being, you know, being honest about where you are, what stage you're in, owning that stage and not making excuses or not trying to cover it. It, it affects a lot. So the first, um, the first stock that I had, I, I, I think I mentioned to you before, um, when we were chatting, um, I walked in after I got my first shipment landed in the United States. I packed my car with a couple hundred pieces of just whatever I had. I had one style in four colors and uh, and four sizes. And I drove around Los Angeles and I walked into stores and asked the buyers if they wanted to see my underwear. And that's, that's how I, that's (laughs) how I started. And I walked into this store in Los Angeles, third street, never been in there before. Um, And even at that point, you couldn't just Google men's stores. I mean, I was using online sources. I was using the, the, an online version of the yellow pages, basically the phone book, um, uh, to, to find these stores and, uh, Douglas fur, I walked into They're on third street between, uh, between the Beverly center and the Grove fabulous men's store. And, um, Douglas fur is a type of tree 
So yep. that was kind of fun. And then John Noble is the owner of the store. Noble fir is another type of tree. I sat down with John. He's a, he's a Brit um, uh, transplant to L.A., and he was so kind. And he wrote an order on the spot after I. he was my last stop of a very long, very uh, sad day, very frustrating day. <laughs> and he um, he wrote an order on the spot and I filled it out of my car and he just took what I had in my car. So it was uh, that was, you know, the first thing. Otherwise, we go to trade shows. Um, I went to a lot of trade shows I had no business at, spent too much money at, had no, had nothing to do with relationship based business. They treated us like numbers and I've decided since not to do those. Um, but there's a lot of really amazing, um, trade shows out there that are, you know, they, they treat you like a person, they're relationship driven, the, the organizers know your name, know who you are and help you out. So it's, yeah, so really a lot of that. you, you wanted to build relationships and you've plainly been doing that, Teresa. So. What about um, this question that I always like to ask, which is, you know, one thing that maybe you don't advise fellow unnoticed entrepreneurs to try? Is there is there something that you've done? I mean, you're a marketing guru. You work for big companies doing PR campaigns, so you're an expert in that. Anything that you did that you thought, oh, I wouldn't have done that again? Uh, yeah, there, there's a long list, but um, early on um, – uh, at a time when I had no money, I tried to outsource my sales and it was a very expensive mistake. And a very expensive mistake when you're just starting out can be, you know, fatal. Um, and so I, I hired agencies. I thought, okay, well, they do this for other brands. They should know how to do this. Um, and either, either it just didn't work for me or I wasn't ready for it. Um, I, I actually tried it twice because I'm a slow learner. Um, and it didn't work either time. Um, but, um, you, you, you just can't outsource your sales. Uh, you can absolutely get support and have people engaged in your sales. That's not a question, but you can't give it, you can't give it away. And Why that is that hard? Why is that? What fails? They're not invested. Um, so if you think about sales people, um, whether you're an agency or a person, you're going to sell what's bringing money into your pocket. And so you've got this new brand, you're walking in and nobody's heard of this new brand. Um, underwear is a whole other barrier because, you know, underwear is uh, just an upsell for most stores. It's not a, you know, key point. Um, you know, you're, you might take it out of your bag when you go into a store, you might not because you're making your money somewhere else. So it's just harder. So okay. they're not invested. And, and you, as your business, you have to be the one to make sure that that your product gets taken out of the bag and shown and and sold at least an attempt to be sold to to the to the prospective buyer. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? That your passion, you know, got your first client right, and that and that started mm -hmm. you on the journey to the five hundred or so clients that mm -hmm. you've got now. And you're expanding internationally, Teresa, as well with Wood Underwear. You've got distribution in Japan. Um, how are you? going overseas with the brand? So um, the J the Japan connection um, is uh, she they, was out of L.A. Um, there's a there's a big Japanese community in L.A., big, uh, you know, tra transfer of population there. And um, they uh, they approached me at a trade show. And uh, so they they handle it through district, you know, with their distributor. So that's uh Otherwise, it would be very scary. I think setting up in other countries with the rules, regulations, specifically the Japanese market, um, you have to have every single product, every single fabric tested. You've got to have all the specs. The, the way pricing is settled is completely different than here. 
Um, so it's, you know, going in with local knowledge has been the only way I could do yeah, it. Yeah. Great way to distribute. And one of the final questions is you are also on your website talking about, um, giving 1% of sales and, and getting into supporting of all surprises trees. Um, do you want to just tell us the role that the, if like the giving back has got within the business as well? Yeah, so we have from day one, we've we've done give back programs, but we never actually led with it. I think I I think I uh, was too uh, aware of the whole greenwashing, and you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there where people say that they're doing stuff for good to try to say they're better than they are, and so we never led with it. But in the last couple of years, we we have been publicizing that we're doing it, most specifically in a partnership with One Tree Planted. So every order. Um, off our website, woodunderwear.com, we um, plants a tree um, with our wholesale orders. 1% of every wholesale order goes to planting trees. So if you're buying from a store, our product, it also plants trees. Uh, and then the 1% pledge um, is, a, it, it started out as a corporate pledge. A lot of people have jumped on board with it. It's fabulous because it's not just about giving back money, but it's giving back time. So 1% of your time as an, as an employee, um, you give back to at, you know, some kind of service. Yeah. These really so we impressive. think it's important. It's important. Yeah. And you've given over five, you built, you built, grown over 5,000 trees or planted over 5,000 trees. So it's just, yeah, we probably need to update that number, but yeah, I mean, I'm very proud of 5,000 trees. That, that That's uh, it's a great way to give back. And of course it's also true in the way that you would do everything's around trees and wood. And so you kept it all within the brand as well. Teresa, there's one piece of advice that you can give people uh, in your role of building the wood underwear brand in terms of getting noticed. What what would you say that is? Uh, gosh, in terms of getting noticed, well, in, in terms of that's a hard one. So, in I, I think you have to you have to find ways to do things that you can afford that maybe are a little bit different. Um, and I know you're a believer in this because you started a bunch of things that way. But so when we, when I launched Wood in 2012, um, I couldn't afford advertising um, and I was at the beach. Um, so I, I did have a connection into beach sports. And so we started sponsoring beach sports up and down the coast of Southern California. Um, we were selling underwear <laughs> under tents at the beach, which is crazy because I guess it's our, you know, two men in a garage story. Um we're, uh, we're in a tent uh, on the beach um, selling underwear to people who are not wearing underwear. And the furthest thing from their mind is wearing underwear. Um, but it, it is a blast. Um, the athletes are amazing there. Um, and we have, a, we have a team that we sponsor that plays volleyball, Team Wood. Uh, they'll be back out there in Manhattan Beach in a couple of weeks uh, at the end of July wearing their wood underwear. Um, so we've, gosh, we've, sponsored, I don't know, seven or eight teams. So almost since we've been in, you know, launched, we've sponsored Team Wood. Yeah, look, that's a fantastic way to also get hot bods on the beach, uh, as as we can see, and get the product out and uh, and it's Instagrammable and it's photographable and everyone's sharing on, re, uh, on their own retweets and so on. Teresa, thank you so much for joining and sharing your story of wood underwear. And I, I'm not sure whether you called me a cheapskate by saying I've started things for for not much oh, money or not. No, Is that it? no. <laughs> She's not called me a cheapskate on the air. Oh she made God, it sound. No. 
she made it sound nice, but what she was saying was, I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> Teresa can say that to me. That's oh, okay. my God. I don't know if you started it cheap. I did, but uh, you no. certainly did something different and unexpected. It might have cost you a lot. I don't know. But, no, no, yeah. no. I've, 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 I've been following your lead all the way along. If you want to follow your lead uh, and get in touch with you, Teresa, where can they do that? <laughs> So woodunderwear.com is probably the easiest thing to remember, woodunderwear.com. And otherwise, Teresa Zimmerman on uh, LinkedIn. Um, happy to happy to take a connection. Teresa, thank you for being connected with me and talking to me about parts of my wardrobe I'd never explored before. <laughs> thank you so much. You're going to go check your underwear drawer now. I, I am. I'm going to uh, go check just after finishing the recording. Well, and you can too, if um, you've been listening to this and found it interesting. Yeah, eight. Check your wardrobe first and then share the episode with your fellow entrepreneurs and ask them to check their wardrobes as well. And then also give us a review on your player. That would be very helpful. And until we meet again, I just encourage you to keep on communicating and say thank you to listening to this episode of The Unnoticed Entrepreneur.